0: Into episode 193 of the Source of Say podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Source of Say podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now, is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again. He's becoming more and more of a regular, uh, regular guest here on the Source Say podcast, Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio, our uh, go-to recruiting beat writer here at kentucky sports radio zach how are you hanging in there th- on this beautiful fourth of july holiday i'm doing fantastic uh just like you we're, we're
1: both going to knock out some podcasting here and, and enjoy our fourth go have some burgers some glizzies uh what else what else people do on fourth of july you got fireworks planned you got you got a
0: fireworks show planned for you tonight no, so I think we'll we'll find a way to get some fireworks in. I, I don't have one necessarily scheduled yet, but it's not a Fourth of July holiday without some fireworks. So I'll f- I'll find a way. I'll make my way and 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 get some fireworks knocked out. But yeah, I'll, I'll be hanging, cool and enjoying myself and. Uh, this the sweet weather that we have outside and it'll be a good day. We're looking forward to it, but we have to give the listeners what they want. And that is content. Even on a holiday, we, we we can't help ourselves. We got to celebrate uh, the Fourth of July with another source of say podcast. So celebrate say- some basketball celebrate the beautiful, beautiful occurrence that is basketball. So we just got back from Orlando for the MBPA top 100 camp. It's one of our favorite events of the year, uh, held at the ESPN wild world of sports or whatever it is, where the, uh, NBA bubble uh, actually took place. So it was cool seeing all of these high profile talents there in person where, uh, the NBA bubble was. And it was, it was a lot of fun there were, uh, Plenty of UK targets, two uh, UK's As Things Stand, two current commitments, Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard were both there in attendance, along with the likes of Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, KJ Evans, Xavier Booker, and my personal favorite in the class of 2024, Flory Badunga. I uh, love that kid, and we'll talk a little bit about him as well, but uh, Zach, just kind of some early takeaways. Now that you are home, the dust has settled on uh, the prestigious uh, prestigious camp that basically gathers all the top talent across all age groups and shoe circuits uh what are some of your early uh overall takeaways uh well the city of orlando is is an interesting one we'll just start
1: with that i'd say i'm not uh, I'm not exactly high on that city personally it's very sticky and moist down there uh and just very very disney like everywhere everyone's a tourist we were tourists so everyone else was tourists but so i guess it was fine in that way but uh the basketball was great i like that uh the event itself is is nice. Uh, the media access isn't what we had, and Jack would selfishly prefer it to be. But we got to see, like, uh, for, we saw Reed Shepard on his first national stage. I'm sure we'll talk about him uh, a little bit later. And then you, know, you had guys like Flory Badunga, obviously, who kind of stole my heart while we were there. <laughs> uh for his four or five games that I got to watch him I made sure to watch him as much as I could because it was my first time and you've heard the rumors of him you know really taking it to Xavier Booker a couple weeks ago in Indy so I was made made sure I had a front row for him a bunch of times and he definitely lived up to the expectations that I had um it would have been nice to see guys like Rob Dillingham a little bit more we only saw him for I think just the one game or maybe the one day yep one day or one game one one day, two games. Two games. Okay, so he really wasn't there that much, but he still looked cool in the in the stuff we got to see. So that was fine. But um yeah, overall, I like that camp a lot. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about Aaron Bradshaw and kind of where he's at with his uh, recruitment as well. Uh, he played really well. Him and flory actually had a one on one game. Him and and flory also had a one on one game against uh, santo Sorial, who we'll talk about too. Which those were some really good matchups that we got to check out. Um, so yeah, good
0: trip. So I will say um, there is a lot of, t- and we'll talk about the individual players, but I guess one of the big takeaways that I had leaving the event was I was talking to a, a very high profile talent evaluator uh, who, you know, will be. Uh, attached to some of these names very very soon you know in terms of you know agency wise that's uh, you know his job is to literally uh, evaluate this talent and see who's going to be the best of the best in the future and uh, sign them now and you know while they before they come become NBA stars the issue though is this person uh, wasn't very high on this class or the class of 2024 just in general and that's kind of a a takeaway that everybody has had that is, has watched these these upcoming classes closely. Uh, the 23 class is okay. It's got a lot of top-end talent, but it, it really not a lot of, you know, there's no generational talent. There's no 10, 15-year pros that you can see uh, out there that it, it, the person that I talked to, the exact quote was there's not much NBA talent here. So uh, keep that in mind that you can still find high-end productive college talent, you know, a guy like Reed Shepard, guys like that, uh, but maybe not an Anthony Davis or a Zion Williamson or, uh, you know, somebody like that in this class or even class of 2024. I just don't think that guy is out there, at least right now, that he hasn't emerged, emerged as that player quite yet. So uh, keep that in mind when we're discussing, you know, recruiting classes. Do you go after, you know, six guys that could be pretty good Or do you go after four and take, you know, the two best transfers on the market? Or do you take, you know, hope that a reclass candidate opens up? And, you know, it's just an interesting dynamic knowing that these next two classes are a little underwhelming and how does Cal go about, uh, you know, casting that wide net and and how many takes does he have? How many commitments does he want in that class? Zach, that was something that I was thinking a lot about. Can you win a national title with a bunch of pretty good guys or do you do you need to find the next oscar sheway do you need to find the next you know antonio reeves whoever it may be uh that was definitely something that caught my uh attention and clearly some other high-end Thailand evaluators as well while we were in orlando yeah absolutely no i could agree with you. i don't have too much to add to that so uh, but i Just
1: because I I haven't, you know, had to been able to watch some of the prior classes. So I'm not entirely sure what I can, or at least that close. I'm not entirely sure what I'm comparing to. But I have heard that the 25 class in particular is going to have some studs. So maybe that's as we go along here, I'll kind of figure it out myself and and see how how these classes stack up to each other. But yes, I guess just from my own experience, the 23 class, you know, there is missing maybe a few handful of, you know, go to superstars. Even the 22 class, I feel like maybe had a couple of guys that you could maybe point to
0: as potentially even the 21 class two with guys like Durin or whatever. So yeah. And so we've talked a little bit about Reed and and that brought up kind of my next big takeaway is that some kids just aren't camp kids. They're not in the mold of a I'm going to go and, and put 30 on your head and Uh, it's a very so the way these camps work they basically gather a hundred of the best talent talents in america regardless of shoe affiliation regardless of class and they say you're going to come in here and we're going to put you on some random okay you're on the houston rockets you're on the boston celtics you're on the portland trailblazers it's it's random made-up teams a random conglomerate of of you know the best talent there they've never played together it's a we're going to you know put you all together and see who the best of the best is. So it's very individualized. Can't kids go and they have to go get their own. If they want to stand out, they have to go and do it their their themselves. So guys like Rob Dillingham, guys like AJ Johnson, guys that are you know very ISO heavy uh, creativity, you know, guys that that like to create for themselves. Those are the ones that typically stand out more than the guys like Reed Shepard, who uh, admitted even earlier on in the camp, he said, I'm just here to have fun. I'm here to do, you know, little things to contribute to winning. I'm going to get, you know, deflections and steals and, you know, block a shot or two and grab some tough rebounds and die for loose balls, which is all well and good. But the first two days that he was there, Zach, uh, he just didn't look like he belonged like totally honest that he just he looked like he was one of many low end four stars at the camp and it was you know i would for my money i would say that he was one of the most underwhelming guys that i saw out of all of them to his credit he ramped things up on the last day and looked tremendous 21 points on 8 of 13 shooting 3 of 6 from 3 five rebounds two assists i think four steals as well looked tremendous but that was when he went and said screw all of you I'm going to go get mine and sometimes that's just kind of how you have to be so it was a learning experience for Reed I think where he didn't play poorly I don't think he just didn't do anything to stand out in the first two days and I think that uh left a little bit uh you know uh, not necessarily a bad taste in my mouth but I was I just came away wanting more uh from Reed Shepard in his first national camp experience this summer yeah he left
1: a lot to be desired but to his credit like we were saying that that final day he really did I'm sure I'm sure his father had a couple of uh, choice words for him after the first couple of days. Uh, you could tell just watching Jeff on the sidelines, he was very much into it. So I'm sure he told him, you know, say, Hey, just go out there and stop trying to, you know, play around and have fun. Actually, you know, you were brought here for a reason, go out and score some points. So like on that final day, he was the best player on the floor that had Gigi Jackson on it. So he was absolutely the best player. there, And even across the entire event, he he actually led the camp in steals and steal rate. So like, consistently on defense was something that I didn't realize he was actually that good at that. He could just get thrown in with a bunch of, you know, four other random guys on the floor and he actually can play like on a string on defense. So I thought that was a really good sign. And that'll, that's something that'll definitely translate to the next level. he will just get better right. at And he's got, he's just really good with his hands. He's got, he knows how to play the passing line. So all that stuff he looked really good at, but then the aggressiveness was uh, kind of nowhere to be seen the first two days. So that was four games essentially. And he was just, very passive. He even got to play with Gabe Cups, who he plays with on Midwest basketball team. That's an Ohio kid going to Indiana. Uh so he kind of had a little bit of synergy there, but even they didn't, you know, try and work too well together. A lot of the time it was just Reed kind of deferred to AJ Johnson and letting him dance around and and do what Jack said, where it's just, you know, he can thrive in those situations because it's just one-on-one ball. So uh it, It's definitely not his camp setting for Reed. Um, He prefers to, you know, kind of take his time when he's playing for North Laurel and then get him like get himself going later in the game. Obviously that's just not this, it's just not the same thing at all. Uh, And even it's different with his Midwest basketball club where it's him and two other really good stars and then kind of everyone else. So it's just those three guys kind of sharing the load. Whereas with this camp, it was him and eight other guys. You know, just kind of consistently sharing the ball and figuring out all right your turn my turn type thing so last the last game he was just like all right I, i'm here either i'm gonna go out and look like i did nothing all week and i was brought here for no reason or i can go out here and actually you know play like a kentucky wildcat commit like should so that was that was very it was necessary to see him do that because i think we all would be having a lot of different conversations if he didn't have just one good game yeah i mean it wasn't
0: even again it wasn't even that he played poorly he would just defer so often. I mean, he would bring the ball up the floor and pass it off before he even got to, to mid-court. Like, it just got to the point where it was like, buddy, you got to try, like, you got to show that you belong here. Like, there. I mean, you. there was a time that he was considered a, a, a fringe top 25 talent in America. Like, they were like, hey, this kid is a fringe five-star. And you kind of wanted him to prove that he was that guy on this national stage. And just the first two days, he wasn't to his credit, on the third day, uh, his last appearance. It it was unfortunate that all the coaches left on that third day. They weren't allowed to be there. So he did it without all the coaches there in attendance. So, uh, you know, I don't know if they were able to watch the streams or whatever, but, you know, the Kentucky coaching staff's lasting impression was probably uh, really wanted to see a lot more. But I talked to a bunch of national, you know, analysts and, you know, national sources that, that are, you know, familiar with the whole grand landscape of everything. And they were like, Reed's fine. Everything's fine. This isn't, don't use this as, as your entire make or break for Reed Shepard. Like, yeah, he's I, don't, not- I don't think, I don't think the
1: UK coaches were too concerned with how he was performing on that level and, and whatnot. So they were, they were there to watch him and support him. but I don't think, you know, maybe even count, maybe after the second day, maybe even a coach from UK called him and said, Hey man, go up there and let's like play a little bit. So it was, it was just a point where you were like, just, we don't care if you miss at this point, I would just rather you shoot the ball then you just not do anything. So eventually he did, but, and he looked good. To his credit, he really did look good
0: when he played. And I I will say Justin Edwards, who is another UK target, we'll talk about his recruitment here in just a second. Uh, He was in a similar boat. He was a guy that uh, just really didn't stand out as the top 10 prospect that that people were kind of hyping him up to be. Xavier Booker was in the same boat. He really underwhelmed on that national stage. There were a lot of talking heads in the stands that were going, there was a player that didn't hurt his uh, that didn't help his stock at all this week and that was Xavier Booker. So, uh, Reed was not alone in that, you know, camp setting just and, and again, it's it's very guard heavy, very guard oriented. So, guys like Aaron Bradshaw, he could put up, you know, 10 and 8 and still look tremendous, but it's still only 10 and 8 because how many touches are the five-star centers getting whenever it's a guard heavy kind of iso heavy t- style of play. So, when when they do get it, they really try and go to they know that it's limited touches. Yeah, so that, that causes them to play out of their comfort zone. You saw Aaron Bradshaw get rebounds and take it coast to coast and, you know, basically like, all right, well, you're not going to pass me the ball on the block, so I'm going to go get mine. Like it, it just it it's a camp setting. You got to just kind of remember that it's very individualized, not team team focused and it just made some guys that typically look fantastic not look the part and other guys that don't usually look the part look fantastic so it is what it is and, and you just kind of got take everything with a grain of salt and you know use it as part of the sample size because it is a high profile event playing against high profile talent you need to factor in these things but use it as part of a very very large sample size that includes high school that includes other grassroots ball that that includes other events like this uh, when, when determining you know what what you think of a player long term don't use this as a reason to tank a kid's stock or to say that he's going to be the next the next greatest thing so uh just just keep that in mind um who else, you know, were there any guys, Zach, that stood out to you that you weren't necessarily expecting to look the part or, or you know, just somebody that you were excited to see that ended up, you know, really catching your attention that that definitely looked the part uh when, when you got to see him with your own two eyes? Are we
1: going strictly Kentucky targets for the most part here? I guess anybody. anybody. Well, I mean, it's Flori, I guess. <laughs> for me, I mean we could talk about we could just go ahead and start talking about him. Uh that kid's going to be a five-star we have we have it on good authority that he's going to be a very highly ranked five-star when the uh, upcoming uh updates come out for all that stuff uh because he's he's absolutely worth it you know we I heard the rumors of him kind of you know dominating Xavier Booker and then Jack's mentioned his name throughout the spring uh just kind of talking about how good this kid is you know up there in Indiana I never got to see him so this is my first time I made sure I got front row seats for uh, all of them or I, may, I think I watched five of his six games I was able to um and that kid is the real deal it's it's impressive actually because he can't do anything outside of three feet offensively like he has no jump hook no little turn like nothing of that sort but he's so big and strong he just carves out space he dunks everything around the rim he's got like not Oscar like reef or instincts when it comes to getting the ball but his hands are just really like he's going to grab it if it gets near him um, defense, he's just as good. I think the best, that one of the best scenes or best moments in the whole camp is where he had back to back blocks at the rim within a matter of three seconds on like six ten dudes. I, that was it was one of those moments where like everyone kind of looked at each other. It was like hands in the air, like type things. Like oh my god, yeah, it, it was it was incredible. Yeah, um, and he can defend on the wing. He's got unbelievably quick feet for someone who's as big as he is. Uh, he's uh, like. If you're comparing him to a guy like aaron bradshaw he's definitely a lot quicker in that regard um and we didn't get to see too, like we didn't see like you know him in the post like playmaking or anything like that but his his ability to dominate the game by shooting seven or eight from the seven of eight from the field and getting you know eight rebounds five blocks he was doing that consistently like throughout the whole weekend and um he doesn't, he's one of those guys that doesn't need to shoot outside of five feet right now. Uh, and once he does, that's when you're like, okay, now you're going to start seeing a guy who can really dominate the NBA level. But he's, he's a guy that right now that can dominate the the college level, like kind of as is. So he's the guy that I was definitely most excited to see. And he lived up the expectations and I'm eager to know. And I think he's only been in the U S for nine months. So this kid mm-hmm. is going to uh, really get the, the development is what's next for him. Cause the only issue my my issue with him was his uh his stamina you could tell that like as the games were on hands on hips like on the ground like he was exhausted but at the same time if he saw a guy jetting to the side of the rim like about to go for a layup he was there like he always had a second win somehow so uh he's just an impressive player overall and uh on a lesser note Santo Sorrell was another guy who i was impressed with as well i didn't get to see that much he's the Tennessee kid. He's going to be a five star as well, or maybe a borderline five star. Uh, he's just a mountain of a human kind of the same deal with, uh, uh, Flory, just not as I guess naturally gifted in some of those, uh, actual areas around the rim and with defense, but that kid's a tank and he carves out space probably better than Flory Uh, but those two individually shockingly, the centers were the guys that actually kind of stuck out to me this weekend or this week.
0: Yeah, and I, I do want to say Flory has only played organized basketball for two years. So like for somebody who is very new to the sport in a from a competitive standpoint, um he is so advanced for being so raw, if that makes sense. He's just he is so naturally gifted at what he does. He recovers so well, he doesn't bite on stupid pump fakes, like he does all the little things that you'd expect expect somebody that's been playing basketball since he was four or five years old to do while still having all of the physical tools at 6'10, 235 pounds. I mean, he looks like he was built in a, in a factory. I mean, he just, that he's just has that, that just natural build and, and physical feel to him that he's college ready from day one. And he, like you said, he has the soft hands. He finishes extremely well, finishes with touch down low. Uh, he can't do anything outside of three to five feet like absolutely nothing i don't think he shot one jumper outside of like nothing else i seriously don't think he shot one shot outside of five feet doesn't need to like he is at this point in his career in his high school career he's a rising junior so he still has two full years of high school left he's playing at kokomo indiana which uh if for my money i would bet that some high profile schools are going to be after him very, very uh very, very hard and and it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. But um he is a guy that that is clearly, clearly top 10 in his class, maybe even higher. Uh, and you know, his recruitment's interesting. Kentucky has reached out to him. I talked to his uh his coach and and they he did make it very clear that Kentucky was interested. It's just a very complicated recruitment, Zach. There's a lot of um coaching ties in his circle I guess is the best way to put it that uh could end up sending him somewhere that maybe you wouldn't expect and that it's just very up in the air where things stand with his recruitment but Kentucky is trying to throw its hat in the ring and see what the hell they could do cuz he's clearly Kentucky quality he's clearly like this kid is not uh you know mid major maybe high major this kid is a clear high high major anywhere he wants to go in college basketball they would happily take him if uh, if if it was an open recruitment. So that's that's probably the best way to put it. And we'll see how things unfold. But Kentucky is trying to get involved there. Kentucky's he's, also he's involved 20, with Sampo.
1: he's a 24 kid too. We should point that out. I'm not sure if we mentioned that. Yeah,
0: at uh, rising junior. So still two full years of uh, of high school left for him. So Sky is the absolute limit. He is the highest potential of any big uh in high school basketball right now. And it really isn't close. But Santo Surreal, I I agree. I was a big fan of him. Uh a little uh a little more, I guess, just pure physical, pure strength than, uh, you know, the touch ne- not isn't necessarily there. He's just, a, you know, he's a guy that he's very raw, just tries to take the rim down every time he dunks it. And, and you know, at times he can kind of just become this overwhelming brute that just kind of lets lets his body do too much at times and doesn't really have control of his body. So he's still kind of a work in progress too, but he's just a dominant presence. Like you said, carves out space for himself and, and really just attacks the basket. Uh, unlike very few uh, in, in his class. So that's definitely another guy to keep an eye on. Kentucky is interested in him and they were courtside side for, I think every one of his games, if not most of them as well. So uh, that, that was definitely one to keep an eye on. And then I do want to give credit to, um, re, uh, not Reed shepherd. We already talked to, uh, Rob Dillingham, even in just seeing him in, in on one day, I don't know where the hell he went after day one. And that was kind of something that people were like, uh, we don't know where he went. So, uh, that's not the best thing, but, you know, maybe he just had a conflict of, of schedule or whatever, but Rob looked sensational in his lone, um, opportunity there in his first day there, he was, uh, you know, dancing and, and, you know, really proving that he is the most creative and entertaining guard in, in all of high school basketball. Like I, for my money, I don't think there's another fun prospect in the, class of 2023 or even 24 that kind of just turns heads the way rob does he was able to create for himself he was able to, to you know turn the corner and get to the basket finish with creativity around the around the rim he was able to create his own shot and you know even with a hand in his face he was able to knock down jumpers it was just a very productive day one of you know his first and only day there at camp so i do want to give him uh, a shout out and i also Look, K.J. Evans is a guy that I've been very hard on. Um, I saw him as the highest potential guy in the class. I thought, you know, there's a reason why he was top four, top five in all these recruiting rankings. But I have been so underwhelmed by him in recent months uh, just because the motor's not there. He just sits on the perimeter and jacks up threes. Uh, constantly. And I, I'm just like, this dude's EJ Montgomery 2.0, uh, really not a fit at Kentucky. I don't think that Kentucky should be putting all their eggs in the KJ Evans basket. To his credit, he finished up the camp very, very, very well. Uh, he was efficient shooting. He was efficient scoring. He was playing, you know, doing a lot of other things on the floor uh, that, that you know, jumping the passing lanes, trying to, you know, active with his hands, trying to get blocks, trying to get, uh, you know, steals and rebounds. He just did a, A lot of different little things that uh, I I have been very hard on KJ Evans. And I was, you know, all for a, uh, you know, not making him top five in the country, making him more top 15 to top 20. Uh, I I do think that he, he, you know, earned some respect and earned some credit there at the end of camp. So uh, to, to his credit, KJ was another guy that definitely turned my head. But those, but yeah, I think those four were some of, some of the guys, at least with Kentucky interests that uh, I think stood out on, on my end. Zach. Yeah, no, I agree. I didn't
1: get to watch uh, some of those last KJ Evan, Evans games. Uh, unfortunately, I watched some of the earlier ones where he looked kind of what he looked like in the spring. Um, but that was kind of the talk around the camp that he looked really good at the end. Um, and I've been, I've said multiple times on this podcast before that I think KJ is a guy that we should still continue to, you know, stay on board in. And I'm really interested to see how it just kind of all comes together at Montverde with him as the guy and if he can, you know, replicate some of what he did there at the end of that camp so uh, and like you said rob um was he definitely is you know for anyone's money the most entertaining player dj might give him a little bit of a run but uh dj's not you know dancing around and hitting step back threes like rob is so um but then aaron bradshaw i think we should talk about him too uh, just because of his recruitment's kind of winding down it feels like um but he looks he looks just very Comfortable is, I think, is a good word. He just looks very comfortable and knowing that the fact that he is as good as kind of people are making him out to be. Like he is a five star. I don't know if he's like a top 15 player or a top maybe, maybe I don't know if you want to really get close on semantics there, maybe a 15 to 20 player. Um, but he had a game, I think he, his first, very first game, him and Flory were matched up together. Uh, Flory kind of got the better of him at the beginning, and then Aaron kind of just was. You know, had the stamina to really outlast him and just has just been doing this for longer so uh kind of got the better of him at the end but um i really liked what i saw out of aaron he's just kind of continued to do what he's always do- doing but even in this setting uh he was a little bit more aggressive than he normally is playing alongside like dj and McKenzie and baka like there was a point where like on his team he was kind of like the guy so he would like command it in the post and Um, you know he was shooting like there was one he had like a step in 18 footer that he just drilled from the top of the key he was trying a couple of post moves you know some success some not but um like we were kind of saying earlier like he knows that there's only so many touches he's going to try and get the ball so when he does he was very adamant about trying to get some points and and, uh, he looked good when he did and i think obviously you know we could talk about the recruitment but kentucky kind of appears to be uh the front runner with him right now as we wind down there but Aaron, I think, is a, a great, great piece to to add to this class.
0: Yeah, yeah, Aaron, and I, to his credit, I will, I will say that it was a, a nice learning experience for him uh, from a motor standpoint. He admitted, we asked him on the last day, you know, what's he working on? What's, uh, you know, what are some of the things that separate your game from the other players in your class? But at the same time, what are some of the things that are kind of holding you back from being even better? And he said, this week was a big learning experience for me in terms of my motor. I know that... I take too many plays off. I'm too lackadaisical at times. I I need to be aggressive and I need to be engaged more often. That's a, that's, you know, a, a really kind of empowering thing for a player to admit and to, to acknowledge that, Hey, I, I'm falling short in this area. I know I have all the natural abilities in the world, but it doesn't get me anywhere if I don't have that that killer instinct and I don't have that next you know that next level motor. And for him to admit that he takes some plays off and that that's something that he's actively working on and that this this camp setting kind of showed him that, uh, I, I'd rather him learn that now than when he shows up on a college campus and uh, you know it's 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 easier to tell a guy you know whoa instead of go and i think that's if we can get aaron to be constantly pushing and have to reel him in instead of telling him you know kicking him in the butt and saying come on you got to you got to ramp things up i think uh, that's definitely Uh, a sign of of bright things to come. And yeah, I thought as a player, he's, you know, he just, he is a guy that he's going to give you, you know, sophomore Nick Richards, I think is probably a good comparison for right now where, or maybe even on the uh, summer going into junior year, Nick Richards is probably the best way to put it. He's going to knock down the elbow jumper. He's going to knock down a baseline jumper. Uh, but he's going to give you 10 and 10. He's going to give you 10 and 8, whatever, you know, 10, 8 and two blocks a game. That's going to be what he is at Kentucky. And and that's, you know, that's fine. Like, that's exactly what you want out of a guy like Aaron Bradshaw. And, um, you know, just don't expect him to go out there and go for 25 and 15 like Oscar or whatever the case is. But he's going to be a very consistently productive player. Talent in college, and it, it does appear that Kentucky is going to be that landing spot. Um, and, you know, we'll transition this into some of the recruiting updates that I heard, uh, especially, through, you know, talking to national sources and different coaches and things like that, the players themselves throughout camp uh, while we were down in Orlando. So I will say that Aaron Bradshaw flat out told us that he has already made his decision. I thought that was really eye opening. He said so he made it a minute ago. So I'm sure yeah. it's, been, it's probably been weeks, is what it sounds like. What he, yeah, he like. Said I made my decision, quote, a minute ago and the announcement is quote coming real soon before Peach Jam. So uh when could that be? I was told that it could happen as early as this week. I mean, we are we could be days away from a, a commitment. And then he put out something on his Instagram story uh like if you know, you know, and it was o seven o six five or something like that. And people were like, oh, is that July 6th at 5 p.m.? <laughs> and, you know, that, that could be something as well to keep an eye on. But we're days away. This is a, a commitment is imminent. It's done behind the scenes. Like he already knows where he's going. And it's not really a secret at this point that Kentucky is that overwhelming favorite going into the home stretch. Uh, but he's ready to announce it. He said that he's. Uh, I heard from from a national person that uh, he wants to return home from camp and kind of finalize the details of his announcement. So he got home Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Used this weekend to kind of come up with a, a, a you know a, a pl- method of attack, a plan of attack. And I think that's where things stand right now. And maybe that July July six at five pm is uh, is what he's planning on doing. But I think it's going to be some professional video of sorts that. Uh, you know, he's able to announce his commitment. I do think it's going to be Kentucky. I don't think there's going to be much suspense there. I will, however, say that there is still some G League talk. He did, even when somebody asked, what's your timeline for a decision? And he said, my college decision, which I thought kind of stuck out to me that uh, he's, you know, the pro decision is still up in the air. He's just announcing where he's going to college. Uh, I have heard that uh, it's more likely than not. The expectation is that he does make it to campus, likely in Lexington. So uh, there's n- 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 no formal offer has even been extended from the G League. So it's not even like he's weighing a professional offer versus an offer from Kentucky right now. It's just something to keep in mind uh, that that there is some some interest and they're going to be uh you know kind of weighing their options on their end tracking his trajectory how his senior year goes on from the g-league's perspective and uh it's an open dialogue right now so uk may be getting his commitment this week but that doesn't necessarily mean it's done done well interestingly enough uh rod strickland who was you know the g-league's
1: program director is now transitioning to coach at liu so you know if you want to kind of look on a positive note for Kentucky, that would be kind of ideal timing for the fact that, you know, as a kid's about to commit, obviously he could change his mind over the course of, you know, now when he actually signs on the dotted line, but this would be kind of the time you'd want the G League to go through a transition of power where you can really make your pitch uh, to Aaron there and be like, well, they they don't know what they're doing over there. So let's just, let's lock this in now and, and come on over. So,
0: yeah. And let's keep, you know, moving on through these just because can- Talk about Xavier Booker, we definitely, I feel like we should talk about him for a second. Xavier Booker? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Xavier Booker is uh Kentucky is kind of loosely interested. They went up to go watch him in Indy, where Florey Badunga outplayed him and uh, you know he's a guy that I think Kentucky's interested in and he's a long-term like man what could he be his ceiling is so unbelievably high again I think there's some motor issues with him that he takes too many possessions off and I think that is kind of a uh, concerned different schools I think Michigan State is is very very high on him and he's very high on Michigan State they're kind of the early front runner you have Duke that's also kind of entered the picture there in a, a nice position not the best position but a nice position um Kentucky, I just I don't see their paths crossing. I, I think that they're going to be two ships going different directions uh in the night. And I I, you know, it, it is what it is. I do like Xavier as a as a long-term uh potential piece, but I think Kentucky has its focus in the front court, especially on two other names, and one of them being Aaron Bradshaw and the other being Uganda Kingsley. Yeah,
1: and I'm I'm I wouldn't be too upset if UK kind of decided to just pass on booker entirely um i kind of i see the vision i see the jaron jackson comparisons uh, but at the same time i see those jaron jackson jr comparisons that's what kind of scares me because xavier booker does not rebound uh he doesn't like to go inside the paint he loves to shoot a lot of threes and that's that's really only good if you are your motor is kind of what you were talking about if you're going to try all the time because you have to be really, really, really good on defense if you're going to do that. And he is good, uh, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is like, you know, top four, five defender in the in the NBA. So he can kind of get away with not being an outstanding rebounder and doing most of his damage from outside of the paint, whereas Xavier Booker is also a little bit smaller than Jaron Jackson Jr. too. And I just, I, I don't see, I see the ceiling, um, but I also see the floor and I don't like the floor at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, and, and I will say that Kentucky has ramped things up very, very, very much so with Ugana Kingsley. They love his long-term defensive abilities and think that he's he's has elite shot blocking, uh, you know, a, a elite rim protection potential uh, at the college level, and they think that he would absolutely reach that at Kentucky. They're just very, very high on him, and they like to the fit with him next to Aaron Bradshaw. So. That's definitely a name to keep an eye on. He's going through his official visits right now. A couple publicly scheduled right now. I do expect Kentucky to land one of those visits. Um, and I expect this thing to move rather quickly. And I think that there's some other stuff just uh, not going to say anything. And Just, just watch this one closely um, and watch him and that potential fit alongside Aaron Bradshaw and just – Get yourself comfortable with it. Just just get yourself comfy with the idea of Ugana and and Aaron Bradshaw on the same back in the same front court. And and I think that's kind of where things stand with with the front court. I, I don't know what else you would necessarily even need to add. Uh, you know, in terms of a Xavier Booker or uh you know even a KJ Evans who is a a four at the next level. Like he says he's a three, and Xavier Booker says he's a three, but he's a four. They're both fours at the next level. I don't necessarily see the fit if you have both Aaron Bradshaw and Ugana Kingsley. Another name to keep an eye on is five-star wing Justin Edwards, who, uh, Zach, for the longest time has been a heavy, 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 heavy Tennessee lean uh, to the point where uh, I've talked to different people behind the scenes that said that he has already almost jumped on a commitment. You know, he'll just wake up on a random Wednesday and say, you know what, I think I might Announce my commitment to Tennessee. Like that's just kind of who he is uh, as we've talked to him several times. He's just a very blunt matter of fact kid who tells it as it is and isn't afraid to uh, withhold anything. And he's just, you know, he's, he's not ever going to lie to your face for better or for, for worse. And, uh, it was, I I've come at first, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I've really come around to respecting how he has handled things. Like somebody asked him at this camp and said, uh, Michigan offered you, uh, what, you know, what, what is their contact like? Are they going to make a push for you? And he goes, uh, yeah, they offered and I haven't heard from them since. So no. Uh, They're they're not going to. It's just like whoa! Like how often do you hear that from uh, a kid? So I've I've really come around to respecting the way he has handled this. Uh, We asked him at Pango's. We said, "Is it fair to say that this is a Kentucky versus Tennessee battle?" Uh, And he said, "Yeah." And what about it? (laughs) Who else would (laughs) be? Yeah, yeah. But almost yeah to that point. It's just like, uh, is that supposed to be some secret or something? Like, duh. Yeah, it's between Kentucky and Tennessee. Like like and uh, so I, I've just really respected I've come around to respecting the way he has uh, just very matter-of-factly handled his recruitment he just he is who he is he's a, a kid that's going to tell it as it is and I, I really uh, like that I will say that there was some talk about Auburn potentially uh making a run at him and they may be taking making up a lot of ground on Tennessee in particular that uh, that Bruce Pearl is kind of behind the scenes going for the kill uh he said to us in the the media interview that uh, he was planning a visit to Auburn and that kind of sparked a lot of the buzz in basketball circles like oh Auburn's finally making their push you know they're going to get him on campus and that's going to be what it takes to push them over the edge uh, I've talked to people that are very very familiar with his recruitment that know exactly what's going on behind the scenes that say now nah, this thing is going to be Kentucky or Tennessee they said, uh you know auburn's trying but uh he it's it's definitely going to be tennessee or kentucky tennessee being the longtime favorite there was a lot of uh, there was some um they were put off the, their camp was put off by kentucky's lack of love i think is the best way to describe it that tennessee is telling them here's, you're going to be the priority where you're the only wing that we're, we're recruiting in your class. Um, you know, you're going to come in and get X number of shots. You're going to be the guy we want to build around you as Kentucky is recruiting, you know, guys like Maktas Buzelis and Mackenzie Mbako. And uh, you go down the list and I think that they were kind of thinking, okay, well, uh, how much do you really like us if you're, if we're one of, six different wings that you're recruiting and i think that really rubbed them the wrong way over the last year uh to kentucky's absolute credit i've heard that since april april being the you know the actual time when things started ramping up that kentucky has been just tremendous in terms of how much they're reaching out john calipari in particular has taken over this recruitment he's leading the charge he has basically said everybody get out of my way. I got this thing. Uh, and I think that's something that their camp has really respected. And I think Justin himself has noticed, we asked him, you know, what does it mean? Cal three deep with, uh, chin Coleman and Orlando Antigua watching you courtside for every one of your games, uh, th- this weekend in Orlando. And he's like, yeah, I've noticed like that. That's what I've been waiting for. That's what I want. Like, I want them to, to care about me. Like it's not a secret that like he has said in the past that Kentucky has been his dream school. That's the school that he grew up wanting to play for. And I think it just kind of rubbed him the wrong way that they weren't showing him that same love back. And now that that love is being shown back, I think uh, things are starting to trend in Kentucky's direction. Now, It was a lot of ground to make up. Tennessee had an overwhelming lead, and I do still think that they have uh, the slight lead, but I definitely think it's a 1A, 1B situation now instead of... Tennessee as the overwhelming favorite and Kentucky and Auburn trying to fight for that second spot. I definitely think we're at a 1A, 1B stage that it could truly go both directions. I've heard that September is kind of a loose target date for his commitment. Uh, And I think the longer this drags out, the better for Kentucky's chances. You do not want him to randomly wake up on a Wednesday morning and say, I'm going to commit because that would definitely favor Tennessee uh, in this pointed in, in time, but the longer this drags out, if this gets to September or October, I'm starting to feel really good about Kentucky's chances, Zach.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I I think it was really telling that the coaching staff really seemed to prioritize him at uh, at NBPA. There was like a handful of players. It was like, you know, Aaron and Reed and uh, Rob when he was there. Like, those were the type of guys that, and even Flory to kind of to an extent, like, those are the guys that UK was really like, you know, making sure to watch, and you could tell that they were making sure to watch Justin Edwards's games. So, uh, cows was especially was making sure to watch those games. So, um, I'm sure it it's definitely sounds like, you know, from the conversations that you had, uh, while you were down there, that, uh, Kentucky is definitely making their push and, and we'll kind of see how well that push is and just kind of, you know, what Justin really wants and, and what he's expecting, I guess, at a college level, you know, what type of role he's expecting to play and whatnot. And, um, you know, it looks like if he were to come to Kentucky, he'd kind of be joining a, you know, a pretty decently sized class of maybe a five or six player class. So, uh, there'd be a lot to go around, but, um, for his actual game, like individual play, he was, he looked, you know, kind of how he has looked, which is, you know, clearly one of the better players at the camp, uh, not anything, you know, too overwhelming. Uh, he's definitely one of the better defenders and, um, his jumper is still kind of coming along, but, um, uh, yeah, overall, I think is the recruitment obviously is clearly still it feels
0: Tennessee, but uh, the Kentucky definitely is ramping it up there. And, and Mookie Cook is another name that fans were like, well, they were, you know, the runner up in his recruitment the first time around when before he committed to Oregon. Does Kentucky make a push there? Uh, I was told that that they would have interest in Mookie, but. Uh, they're not going to do anything to screw up this justin edwards i mean they've done so much work to build that relationship back up and kind of make up ground that honestly it would be stupid to make a significant push for mookie at this point in time I mean, you you literally overcome everything that you did before you know before about you know making them feel like a priority and and all these other wings being prioritized over uh, oh you know over Justin that when Mookie becomes available again to make that next push for him, who for my money, I don't necessarily think Mookie is any, but I think Justin's a better player than Mookie. I think, uh, you know, I think they, Mookie is a small ball four, and, and I, he's just really been underwhelming lately. He hasn't played the entire summer anyway, because he's been, uh, filming a, a movie as the, as a young LeBron James. So that in itself, uh, I mean, We really haven't even gotten to see him play at all because he's been acting this entire uh, spring and summer. So it's just not a fit. I think that he's going to end up at the G League. And if he doesn't end up with the G League, I think Arizona is another option for him. And I also heard that he may just recommit to Oregon too that he's just you know wanting some attention and you know feeling like okay well I haven't gotten a play so my highlights haven't been online Uh, my recruitment's been closed for you know since the spring since the winter so you know there really isn't a whole lot of of you know love on on that end where schools aren't calling me kids you know fans aren't dying to know where I'm going you know he's just out of sight out of mind a little bit and I think that that kind of led to some complacency and some some restlessness on his end that made him want to open things back up. So that could even result back in a recommitment to Auburn. But I do think that G League uh, is the overwhelming favorite. And at that point, why even go all in on on Mookie, knowing that that would be costing you Justin Edwards very likely. Uh, I just don't think it's a fit. Uh, And I, I expect Mookie Cook to stay out West in some form or fashion, likely for the G League.
1: Yeah, it didn't sound like he has any intentions on leaving the west coast and if you're just comparing him to justin edwards i would probably personally take justin edwards uh just because he is more of an actual wing player more so or kind of what you're looking for in an actual wing player than the mookie cook so uh and i've only i think the last time i got to see him play actually was maybe at hoop Hall, um because he just kind of hasn't been doing anything so i don't really know you know even what to compare him to at this point um So if I, if, you know, if I'm having to pick between Justin Edwards and like you said, with Kentucky's case, it would be kind of foolish at that point to maybe put, you know, even express a little bit of interest in, in Mookie when you're you, when you've kind of been saying
0: that you're going all in on Justin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's wrap up here with the guy that everybody wants to know about. And I do think that there has been some movement here uh, that favors Kentucky and that's with five star guard, DJ Wagner. Um, I do think that adding Aaron Bradshaw, who is his teammate, would be a a very, very strong uh, addition for Kentucky when you already have Lance Ware, who played with his former Camden teammate uh, several years back, and you also have his brother, Kareem Watkins, already on the roster, along with the two-decade-long relationship that Coach Cal has had with uh, DJ's dad. I just think uh, adding another a fourth voice kind of in his Circle to the the Kentucky program, I, I think is a huge huge step in the right direction. But even beyond that, like my, my confidence in Kentucky getting DJ doesn't even necessarily have to do with adding Aaron or, or even the other connections. I do think that's where Kentucky's confidence is coming from. Kentucky is extremely confident uh, that they're still going to land DJ Wagner. But uh, I, my confidence is coming from the uh, I, I talked to several different people at MBPA and, and you know, just the last couple events that. You know how there was just so much buzz when Kenny Payne was hired and the staff was formed and especially when Milt Wagner was added to the program, there was a lot of talk that, like, you know, they're the new cool program. Everybody's gonna flock to the to Louisville. They're gonna be this, you know, juggernaut on the recruiting trail, and everybody's gonna be scared. There's, you know, there was some fear that they were gonna kind of take things over and and you just other schools were just kind of watching closely and going, hmm, what do we have? now to go up against it's not just going to be duke it's not going to be kansas and north carolina and go you know go down the list they were thinking that louisville could very well step in and and there was definitely a fear factor there and what has that resulted in zach i can't say anything they haven't added any high profile transfers they have missed over and over and over again on the transfer market they've lost uh once again with high-profile five-star high school athletes, they haven't gotten any reclasses. They haven't, all of this confidence that they've had, they've worn on their sleeve and saying, we're going to get this kid, we're going to get Imani Bates, we're going to get this transfer. Uh, it, it has resulted in nothing. Like, they have not, they have one commit in, in their class right now, and that's Caleb Glenn, who's a four-star native. From Louisville. Like, what have they done on the recruiting trail to prove that they are any competition to the high profile blue bloods, not even just Kentucky, but, but all the other ones. And Zach, I heard from several different people at camp that they're, that they, the other programs are starting to see blood in the water, that, that other programs are sharks seeing blood in the water, that, that maybe Louisville's overselling and under delivering over promising and under delivering, uh, is going to kind of lay a domino effect of all right, well, uh, as more 23s come off the board and they don't have Louisville attached to their name and, and you know they don't keep adding these guys, who all are they going to add? Where is this confidence going to keep coming from that their optimism can be as much as they want it to? But if it doesn't result in anything, then how can you be a real player in college basketball recruiting? And uh, that's kind of the the thought with DJ Wagner is, OK, you're going to lose Aaron Bradshaw. He's going to end up committing to Kentucky. And even if he doesn't end up at Kentucky, it's going to be the G League. like It's a G League versus Kentucky battle right now. Now, even after he commits to Kentucky in, in the coming days or however long it takes for him to announce, who are they going to add? Like, are, are they going to, you know, steal Caleb Foster from Duke just because of the Nolan Smith connection? Even if they do, Caleb Foster's not any good. Like, that's not a guy to like, that's probably one that Duke would go. Uh, yeah, you can take him if you really want him. Like, that's not somebody that people in, in basketball circles are very high on anyway. So it might get headlines. Uh, Louisville takes Caleb Foster from Duke or whatever, but it's not going to make an impact on the recruiting trail. It's not going to make an impact on the court. It's not going to result in winning. So there's a lot of talk that, all of this, you know, just as wearing their confidence on their sleeve, this honeymoon period that Louisville has had the last couple months is going to very, very quickly result in restlessness from recruits, from uh, the fan base, especially that they have set expectations unbelievably high that has really resulted in nothing so far. And I think that Kentucky is playing it where it's like, we'll let them have the honeymoon period. We'll let them be as confident as they want to be we'll know, we know where, where we stand with things. We know that we're still the Kentucky basketball program that everybody has known and, and loved for uh, decades and decades and decades. And we'll let things play out the way they need to Zach.
1: And my thing with the DJ Wagner situation has, has always been, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it type thing. And obviously, you know, I don't want to discredit Kenny Payne because I think he's, you know, he's going to do really good things and he's clearly a, gr- a good recruiter. Um, and I think he will ultimately or eventually do really well, but you know, he's only been, what, how long has he been the head coach, I guess, two months? Uh, since March. Yeah. So not very long at all. So that was like the honeymoon phase what he's like, that's a good, I think that's a really good descriptor of is it. just, they saw the connections there. They saw the higher milk wagon thought, well, that's it. You know, that's, that's all they needed to do. But, I guess there's more to recruiting than just hiring somebody onto your staff. You actually have to recruit the kid. Uh, And it sounds like Louisville isn't doing a fantastic job at recruiting so far. I mean, no, no discredit to Caleb Glenn, who's a really good player in his own right, but he's been committed since the fall. He was committed to what's his face and he's, you know, he was going to go to Louisville no matter what. So you can, you just kind of lucked out there that you had a top 60 player in your own backyard. Um, So like I said, like I have a pick logged with DJ Wagner for Kentucky. I've had it since forever ago and I'm just going to keep it until, you know, I be, uh, I'll believe it until, until DJ Wagner says he's picking Louisville. That's kind of just where I'm at. I definitely don't, I don't not think that Louisville hasn't like gained a lot of steam and momentum. And maybe there was a point or is a point, or maybe they currently are the perceived front runners, you know, if fr- from their perspective or maybe from DJ's camp or uh, however they're viewing it. Um, but, you know, the momentum kind of wears off. And like you said, you got to start adding other pieces. You know, I'm not sure that DJ Wander wants to go to a class where Caleb Glenn is the other headliner when you could go and play with your one of your really good friends, Aaron, and uh, and then, you know, join Rob Dillingham, who I've, I would believe those two would probably work semi-well together. Uh, you might have to, you know, maybe convince them a little bit to do it, but I don't think that would be an issue for them. Uh, we've talked about how Rob plays with, you know, Aiden Holloway and uh, DJ has obviously played with a lot of good players too. So uh, I think there's a world where it obviously works well. And um, until, until DJ says he's, you know, picking Louisville, I'm just going to kind of always err on the side of caution when it comes to all that, that hype.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, The national people are just like, look, they can't close like they have not closed on anybody of substance like their biggest commitment to this point is Brandon Huntley Hatfield who a guy that Kentucky cut ties with in high school because they thought his motor wasn't good enough like that's that's their statement win so far is Brandon Huntley Hatfield like at some they need point, to get a Monty Bates. you you couldn't even land a money like that was something that uh, you know, it's they use that narrative. Oh, well, we didn't even want no, they wanted him, and things got a little, you know, a little hectic, and they couldn't even close on that one. And that it's just, uh, it's just one thing after the other that it's, you know, there's not one big loss that they've had so far. I think the Aaron Bradshaw one, when that becomes final, that's clearly going to be a significant loss, but that's going to go. Uh, that, that that's just going to prove again that uh, there's a lot of hesitancy right now with national people that are going, you know, when are they going to close on anybody? Like at, at some point you got to call a spade a spade and say, you prompt made all these promises that that you guys were going to land all these kids and, re- you know, return to the promised land and, and all that. And they don't even have a a point guard on their roster right now. Like they couldn't even upgrade their, their point guard position this off season as And the players are on campus right now, so there's just a lot of, of little things like that that have kind of built up, and, and now the narrative right now is like, okay, maybe this honeymoon period is starting to come to a close, and maybe we shouldn't be hyping up Louisville as much as possible until they prove they can do something. DJ is a winner at heart. He's literally competing right now in Spain uh, with Team USA because he's an absolute winner, and he's not going to go somewhere where, where he's, he's the lone, the lone wolf, even if his grandpa's there, that's just not who he is. That's not never been who he is. Uh, if Louisville wants to add DJ Wagner, they're going to have to act quick and add some other real talent, not, uh, you know, low end four stars that are, you know, kind of no name guys. Like they, they need to make some statements and it's not helping that Aaron Bradshaw is is going to the other school that, that they are competing with directly for DJ Wagner. So, um, I'm feeling a lot better about Kentucky's chances than I, than I did in recent months uh, with, with DJ Wagner and I'm sure Kentucky fans will uh, be excited to, to hear that. But Zach, that wraps up this show. Uh, I'm excited to have you on again soon. We have more recruiting buzz to talk about and, you know, the, when Aaron Bradshaw comes on, I mean, we, there's a, a whole lot coming up down the pike here very, very soon. So uh, we'll make sure that we get you back on and and talk a whole lot more about it. But uh, until then, where can fans find your work? I can find
1: me on the Twitter at Z Gagan K-S-R. That Gagan is spelled G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N. It's the triple G. And then I'm also on a fancy website called KentuckySportsRadio.com or on three.com backslash. Kentucky Dash Wildcats, I think, is how you get to it. If you just That's- go through the on three link.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We find us. You can find us there uh, for sure. But you can find me individually on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say Podcast. We will see you then.